You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Today I'm joined by Mel, Mel Fenwick from JCN for one of our new short sessions. Hi Mel! Lovely to be here. So we're going to be talking today about common mistakes or slip-ups. Let's say slip-ups because it's a little bit nicer because uh, that's what they are, that people tend to make very regularly when they're transitioning to a gluten-free diet and uh, we're not really aiming for people who have been on a gluten-free diet for a long time, obviously celiacs. Uh, we'll have a lot of this down packed, but this is for a, a lot of people. We see a lot of clients who are transitioning if they need to, to gluten-free, whether it's for suspected intolerances or they might have a lot of gut inflammation that we are considering some time off gluten. Uh, and often they'll come back to us and have the questions around these foods or drinks or even um, some other things that we'll talk about. Or we'll pick them up going through dietary recall and be um, wondering potentially, you know, why things aren't going the way we thought that they would be going. And we're like, okay, right, we see what's happening there because of some of these very common slip-ups, the old slip, (laughs) slip on the banana. (laughs) You had a a few on the list that you commonly come across. Now I've got a few too. I think it's a pretty good sneaky list of slip-ups it is I think it'll be helpful so we'll go we'll go a bit one for one um I'll I'll start with probably the one that I just said to you before we started that inspired this is couscous because I was looking through a cookbook this morning and looking at uh, a delicious recipe with couscous and thinking about what I would use instead which is often millet so I think it kind of works as a good substitute. And I'm like, man, couscous is so common that people generally, the average person doesn't understand that couscous is not a grain. Like I know it looks like a grain, but it's actually very small pasta. So we most people know that pasta is made from uh, wheat, like different sorts of flours, unless obviously it's gluten-free, but couscous is made um, from regular flours like pasta. And, yes, it's actually really small pasta. It's not a grain. So that's kind of one of the ones that just always stands out to me. And uh, either, again, it might be going through a diet recall with a client once they've started or um, the other thing is when clients are already gluten-free, when they come to the clinic or they say they follow a gluten-free diet and then you go through And these are some of the things that they're consuming, um, which is common too. So, yeah, couscous would be my first one. And my favourite sub would be millet. But, yeah, how about you, Mel? What's number two? My first one would be a really pretty common one is oats. And it's not that oats contain gluten or wheat. It's just that it can be, there's a high chance for cross-contamination. And that includes oat 
milk as well, I guess, if you want to be very specific. And, which, and we do, especially when you get in that space because you want to know what might be triggering issues. So, um, yeah, just swapping it out. Uh, there's a lot of alternatives now, which is really helpful for rolled oats. Like you can go buckwheat flakes or quinoa flakes or um, but um, yeah, it's yeah. Again, it's not that it has gluten or wheat. It's just that it can be contaminated with it. Um, you can get gluten-free oats. Um, I wonder if you use that commonly, Jess. I, you know what? That's a good question. And another kind of arm off or segue off oats. I have this discussion a lot with clients because everything you just said, spot on. But the other thing about oats is they have a protein in them called, oh, the top of my head, I hope I'm not pronouncing it wrong, called, no, avian. well, they have that, but no, avian is what it's called. And um, oh. I might be like not pronouncing it right. Okay. But this protein looks similar structurally to gluten. So when people consume oats. Thyroid issues. Yeah, right. So it's like yeah. um, if huh? you're consuming, if you're, if you're reactive to gluten, and then you're eating oats, there's a chance, not always, but there's a chance because it looks so similar that your immune system, particularly in a very aggravated gut and a very immune responsive gut, it might see that protein in the oats and go, whoa, you're a little bit similar looking to gluten. I don't like you and react. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like bam, bam, <laughs> and start that inflammatory cascade response. So I'm always... I'm pretty strict with oats because of that. Even even gluten-free oats, if I suspect someone is quite reactive to gluten or if um, particularly with uh, at the functional testing we do at JCN, say someone's got a lot of gut permeability signs, um, like rate, whether it's anything from raised zonulin marker um, through to other signs that we probably don't need to get into today but that's probably the other thing I always think about with oats mm. um as far as like whether they're suitable and depending on whether to continue including them mm. when the gut's not in the best state I'm interested in the actual thing um that looks similar to gluten <laughs> I can't remember what that name is a avian avian <laughs> I swear I'm just not it's all a, it's, so it's spelled A-V-E-N-I-N. So A-V-E-N, 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 Arvan. No. Okay. You back yourself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it, Arvan. I don't know if that's right. I'm going to um, stick with what I've said. What was, your, uh, what was your next one? So my next one was hot chips. Hot chips <laughs> yeah. is so common because everyone's like they're potato and it's yeah. like yeah they are potato but most bought hot chips are coated in flour before they deep fried or they are bought in a batch deep in a bag and it's coated in flour and then deep fried which makes them really crunchy and delicious so unless chips say gluten-free on a menu or you ask then I would just surmise that they're not going to be gluten-free. And we see, oh, God, I see this a lot with clients where they're like a certain amount of weeks in and they go, they're like, yep, they're going really well. I've had a, but I had this like horrible reaction and I thought that I was fine with what I ate and I'm not sure what it was. And so often they're like, I just went out and I ordered a steak and some hot chips and a salad at a pub. And I'm just like, hot chips, it'll be the hot chips. <laughs> so mm. hot chips is like, just just ask, like look for the GF's little sign. 
um, or just ask and ideally the staff will be able to go and ask the kitchen and let you know. But you'd be surprised that most of the time hot chips are unfortunately aren't gluten-free, which sucks because hot chips are delicious. Yeah, I was really happy when I found a takeaway that did um, gluten-free <laughs> hot chips. <laughs> How about you? What's next on your hit list? Um, oh, soy sauce. Soy sauce is come one tamari. You've got to actually look for the gluten-free versions of them. It's a little bit more common now to like even see some of the common brands say gluten-free. Have you noticed? Yeah. Like yeah. You, obviously you can buy, well, not obviously, for people listening, you can buy tamari, which is kind of considered a more um, alternate soy sauce. But you often now see in the supermarket in the soy sauce section, there'll be the bottles will have like just gluten-free written on the front of it because they've just, yeah. oh, I think they've just realised, right, that it's just easier to make the substitute for that um, thickener that they put in them. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, and, and I think you're going to mention one, like, you know, the sources and the things that you can add that can make it really tricky to navigate in the elimination diet. Well, that's where like health food shops or those speciality shops can make that part really easy if you just like drop in and get, you know, just a bunch of those condiments if you need them. Um, can really kind of just lift up. <laughs> so true. So the other one I had was gravy, which kind of fits into that same space. I think kind of gravies and sauces in general, mm-hmm. they can be a bit of a minefield. And a lot of this can come down to now like your sensitivity levels. So I think with soy sauce and some of these sauces, like the the amount of gluten isn't obviously as much as say eating a bowl of couscous so it's going to depend on how sensitive you are but um I mean gravy is a good example of where there's there's usually a fair whack of flour in there like it's thickened with flour um so if you are again going out to a pub or a um, cafe and there's like a, a gravy being used it's usually going to be wheat based again unless you ask um you can buy if you if you buy gravy which just freaking gross <laughs> I'm such a snob I'm like I didn't realize I that. bought <laughs> you know like <laughs> gravy mixes and stuff I mean if you want to do that that's so on you <laughs> <laughs> no judgment <laughs> not at all <laughs> yeah. oh god I need to put a how to make gravy on the website <laughs> it's so easy Uh, but you you can buy gluten-free gravy for sure and you can ask in um you know same thing ask when you're out but gravy usually will be a lot more um yeah just flour based and I would say the amount of flour in something like gravy compared to the amount of uh gluten in say something like a soy sauce or I don't know, like an oyster sauce mm, or those sorts of things. Oyster. It's going, it's going to be yeah. varied. So we're, we're usually going to try and work out where people are as far as their ability to handle some of those. But yeah, gravy, gravy would be a common one. <laughs> I guess going into that realm of just like trace amounts would be the supplements, which we've come across before. <laughs> Is like just trace amounts of gluten without mm, even really suspecting yeah. that, because like most supplements wouldn't. There's no need, but some can have traces of it. And it's when, like, yeah, when, you know, considering, like, that allergy response that can celiacs, it's when you need to be very specific about that. But I guess um, sometimes, um, depending on the supplement, I guess, it's, like, the amount can be very 
very minimal, but they still need to um, state that it may have or it may have an amount of gluten in there, which mm. which would be fine because we're literally like the dose is so small as well. But um, it is a case by case thing, and I guess depending on where they are in the protocol, um, you know, it's not something that you'd want to just could be something you know that isn't such a bad consideration. Um, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And we have, you and I have had that in the last, I don't know, a couple of months with a few supplements that you flagged, which was really interesting. And yeah, it's something, maybe this is one that's for even practitioners listening, like again, depending on the client, but just checking because sometimes you just make an assumption um, and it, it can actually be an excipient in some way. Yeah. And then contacting the supplier, that was really helpful to find out how much there actually was. <laughs> it was um, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So our very last one is good old beer. Oh, so yeah. beer's interesting in that it has a sliding scale too. So it's going to depend on like it's usually fermented on wheat or barley, barley traditionally, but beer's kind of gotten so like craft-based now. There's all different yeah. sorts of grain bases and yeah. then there's gluten-free beers coming out as well or are out so it's a bit of a scale on like depending on how that beer is being fermented um, and the amount of gluten left in the beer um, I kind of had a bit of a look into this one too of recent because we we're just having a discussion about it and it's like there's there's definitely um, sort of there's a part per million in a food that you have to be under for something to be considered gluten-free and it seems that beer kind of skirts around being on the lower end of that versus a, like quite a significant amount above it. So sometimes it's almost like it's kind of quite close to just being almost considered gluten-free, um, but still has to be told, you know, you still have to say that it's gluten. And also because it's fermented, it's really interesting in that, like if you think about, you know, Mel, you'll see yes. it with clients that like they can't handle gluten, but they can do a really good sourdough. So like as as the protein, that gluten protein's being broken down through fermentation, like it changes the structure and they tend to be able to digest it better. So there's kind of a question mark around that with beer. And I was talking to Dave, it was actually Damien and I talking about it. And I was saying to him, look, I reckon I, I gluten's definitely got, sorry, beer's definitely got gluten in it. But I think the other reason people have such an issue with beer and they blame the gluten is because if you have gut issues and you drink beer which is just like a bubbly (laughs) fermentation yeasty drink then it's it's just not going to like sit that well the same as like ciders and so forth most people who have gut issues are like oh my god beer and cider makes people so sick so I feel like there's like layers of it yeah right so I feel like it's an interesting one it's like as you improved your gut health would you be okay with drinking beer um like going from say someone who drinks beer and they blow up like a balloon and have tummy pains and maybe diarrhea the next day versus maybe six months in of gut work they're like oh I can drink beer now I'd like question was it more about the yeast and the fermentation kind of brewing of that product in a unhappy microbiome but yeah definitely beers have gluten and I think it's just finding where that sits for you um and then obviously there yeah there are gf beers um i'm not much of a beer drinker so i don't have much to comment on as far as taste but i don't know have you had much of as far as gluten-free beers 
No, I haven't looked into it that much. I suppose just looking at even, I feel like the last time I was at, you know, bottle shop, there was even gluten-free spirits and stuff like they're specifying that on bottles now. Mm. It's like, <laughs> like yeah, it was starting yeah, to right. more of that, um, you know, like that marking on, on products so it can be a bit more obvious. But it's then it's in products that you wouldn't even really think that had gluten. So it's another consideration to have, I guess. Sometimes I think it's just a marketing ploy too, right? Oh, like you absolutely. look at certain products and you're just yeah. like, something that's like gluten-free. Gluten. It's like... <laughs> Yeah. It's like no, no shit. Like it's just like 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 a Damien meal, gluten oh, free. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like buy our gluten free almonds. Yeah, they could could market that. That would be good. So that's that's my list. Is that all of yours? Yeah, that was that was the three I was thinking of mostly. Awesome. Well, we hope that's been very insightful for you if you're new to gluten-free. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm sure it will be. (laughs) We will be bringing you more of these little snippets as such. Um, And if it was, we'd love to hear from you, particularly if some of the gluten-free or non-gluten-free products we have mentioned, um, you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, mm. absolutely let us know because um, we always find that fascinating and it also helps others. And also if there's anything that you um, are sort of like, oh, oh, I've got a, I've got something that's really common, um, let us know too. So just um, head on over to our socials and leave us a comment. But otherwise, Mel, thanks for joining today. Uh, my pleasure. So good. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye.